Welcome to Apologetics and the Gospel. My name is Pastor Jonathan White, and I'm the lead pastor at Crosspoint Family Church in Winfield, West Virginia, as well as a practicing emergency medicine physician. Our question for today is, can I go to that wedding? There's been a, a lot of controversy regarding Alistair Begg's advice to a concerned grandmother. I find it necessary to counsel my family as well as my church on this particular topic. If this is a struggle for you today, I hope this is helpful for you as well. This controversy also brings up some other wedding situations in which we may be invited. Let's start, however, by addressing the conversation that led to this controversy. Before moving forward, I want to express my sincere appreciation and thanks for Alistair Begg's ministry. He has been a rock who consistently hands out truth. Although his, his advice in this segment we're going to talk about is unbiblical, he's not a false teacher. He is a man like we all are, prone to error at times. But may we show grace to him and pray for him as we move forward. So here is the quote from Alistair Begg's interview with Bob Lapine discussing this conversation with a concerned grandmother. You can see the conversation at the website uh, that is in the show notes uh, or, or on the slides there. Alistair said this, and in very specific areas, this comes across, I mean, you know, you and I know that we filled questions all the time that go along the lines of, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that, just a few days ago, and, and people may not like this answer, but I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your belief in Jesus? Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I, I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, I suggest that you do, you do go to the ceremony, and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. Your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said, these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared to countenance anything. And it is a fine line, isn't it? It really is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who do, don't understand Jesus and don't understand that he is a king. So this conversation sent shockwaves throughout evangelicalism. There have been people on both sides of the argument. There's been a lot of noise surrounding this. So my goal today is to provide practical and biblical advice. I did a podcast earlier regarding the comparison of gay marriage and biblical marriage in session four. I would highly encourage you to listen to that to hear some of the epidemiological reasons as well as biblical reasons that biblical marriage is superior to homosexual unions. But today I'm going to try to address some different practical situations that we might encounter and how to address them biblically. And if you don't think that some of these situations are going to come up in your life or your children's lives, listen to a couple of these statistical and epidemiological findings. According to a study from UCLA School of Law, Williams Institute, there's an estimated 1.3 million adults who identify as transgender, which amounts to around 0.5% of the population. However, when looking at those 13 to 17 years of age, 1.4% or around 300,000 identify as transgender. And according to a Gallup poll from 2022, around 7.2% of Americans identify as something other than heterosexual. 
This number has doubled since 2012 when they first started tracking the data. In a decade, this number has doubled. This data shows that these issues will most certainly continue to come up in the lives of your family and your children's lives as they become adults. So now that we have some background, let's address the first question that we might face. Can I attend a gay or transgender wedding? This is an extremely difficult question. My wife and I faced this question early on in our marriage. She was invited to a lesbian wedding involving one of her close friends that she went to her, that went to her old high school. The wedding was out of state, and my wife has, had been sharing the gospel with the family of this person as well. Now, we were very torn and struggled mightily through this question. We were young and did not really know how to biblically address the issue as thoroughly as we would have today. So I hope that this information will help those who face this issue and are walking through this difficult circumstance. The first aspects that we, of this issue that we really need to clearly address is answering the following questions. This is where Alistair would have really benefited to ask more questions. Uh, first, is the wedding going to be in a church? Uh, is the wedding going to be officiated by someone claiming to be a pastor? Uh, does the couple claim to be Christian? Uh, if the answer to any of these is yes, the Bible would clearly teach that one should not attend. This would be blasphemous. It would be a blasphemous union that would claim to be under God. And we know that God does not bless sin. In any other situation, we would not attend a ceremony to celebrate a sinful activity, whether it be alcoholism or drug use. We wouldn't uh, go to an initiation into a gang, anything that would be sinful. And I know that this seems different because it, it is a ceremony of what, we, what, what the world would call love, but it is still sin. It's a sinful union. Uh, so we've ruled out any weddings apart from those who are atheistic or of another faith other than Christianity. So my wife and I had gotten this far in our discussion, but stopped here because of a lack of understanding in light of the rest of Scripture. So now that we've addressed this, we must move to our next portion. The next question we have to answer is, does attending a wedding mean that one affirms the marriage? And here's where the deb debate gets difficult. Uh, there are many in both camps regarding this. The Bible is clear that homosexuality and transgenderism is sin. Anything that blurs the gender lines that God has designed is, in fact, sin. A couple of verses follow, but you can listen to session four for further verses. Let's look at Romans 1, 26 through 27. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. <coughs> Obviously, that addresses homosexuality very directly. Deuteronomy 22.5 also addresses transgenderism. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. There's no true biblical debate on whether or not lifestyles of homosexuality and transgenderism are sinful. But what should Christians do in this situation? You've been invited to a wedding and you desire to show the love of Christ, but you also want to stand firm on the truth and not affirm sin. Uh, there are many relevant scriptures that we could address in seeking to answer this question in this situation. Uh, however, one scripture has, that has come up to my mind during my study, come up during my study and research that seems to really make this one clear is Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. We're going to just address some of these verses, but I would suggest going through that entire scripture yourself. Let's start with 1 through 3. Therefore, be imitators of God as, as beloved children and Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, 
a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Starts off really talking about the love of Christ, and that's a great place to start. We don't want to come with hate. We want to come with love and compassion. But he goes on, we can't just love without truth. We have to have both. And, and here's where the next verse comes in. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So we most certainly should walk in love like Christ. We should be willing to love others. However, right after that, we see a warning against sexual immorality. This is directly a charge not to take part in it personally. But does this apply to going to a gay or transgender wedding? Well, let's move forward for some more clarity. Starting in verse 5, jumping ahead to that one. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Then it says, therefore, do not become partners with them. But now we see the judgment on sexual sin here. And verse 7 ends with, therefore, do not become partners with them. This appears to say that we should not be allies of sin. We should not advocate for sinful lifestyles. We should most certainly love others, but we cannot affirm sin. He makes it even more clear moving forward to verse 11. Take no part, I mean just don't be a part of it at all, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. We are not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. It is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. And these weddings are actually announcing to the world what is done in secret. It is no longer secret, but it is celebrated. And finally, in verse 15, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. The final point would lend toward one seeing a lack of wisdom in attending a gay wedding or transgender ceremony. Is this making the best use of your time? Are you going to be in situations that are compromising to your purity? The practical implications of the what-ifs are endless. The scriptures clearly appear that this is an unwise decision to attend a gay or transgender wedding. The union stands against creation order as well as God's mandate and law. Uh, unfortunately, early in our marriage, we made what I feel was the wrong decision. Uh, my wife did attend that wedding with my blessing, and I state that because we need to show grace and mercy to those who are trying to answer these extremely difficult questions. There are those who love God and seek to obey Him that haven't come to the same conclusions that I have. That we, we should desire to address these situations biblically. But we also must realize that not everyone will have the same scriptural and theological foundations that we have. Uh, may we proclaim the truth, but show grace to those who are trying to grow in their faith. Uh, these are questions that many before us have never had to face. So we need to give people grace as they seek and, and show love as they seek to obey the Lord. Uh, we should never give a blanket okay to believers who are invited to a gay or transgender wedding. Alistair Begg clearly was wrong to give the advice that he gave. But before finishing this podcast, there are, there are two other questions that we need to address. And this first one is, can I attend a wedding of, of two people, a man and a woman, who were cohabitating before marriage? That's a, that's a difficult question. 
Uh, the Bible is clear that, that sexual immorality is sin. We see that around 59% of Americans have cohabitated at some point, meaning they, they live together while not married. Now, obviously, uh, we will see many marriages that come out of these situations. As a pastor, if this couple approached me asking me to officiate their wedding, uh, the this, this situation should be addressed this way, in my opinion. Now, the couple should be asked to live separately for a time as they go through marriage counseling before I would agree to officiate their wedding. As a pastor, I would not want to confirm the wedding of two persons living in open and unrepentant sin. This would apply to other unrepentant sins as well, for that matter. These issues would need to be addressed before making such a big commitment and vow before God. However, can you go to a wedding of a man and woman who are cohabitating? I think this is a conscience issue. There would not be a direct no given in Scripture. There are certainly serious concerns in this situation. However, this is not an assault on creation order here. It is still a man and a woman. Moving to a more difficult question, can I attend a wedding of an unbeliever and a believer? Here's a loaded question. You, you have a friend who's a believer, and they are marrying an unbeliever. Uh, do you go? That's a pretty, pretty difficult situation. Do, do you go to this wedding? This may see, seem controversial. However, the Bible is clear on God's view of unequally yoked marriages. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? As a believer, marrying an unbeliever is sin. It is against the will of God. It will not only hinder your own spiritual growth, but it will also hinder your children. Therefore, it is clear that one should not attend a wedding that brings together a believer and unbeliever. As a side note, there are those who get saved after marriage or find themselves already married in an unequally yoked situation should stay in the marriage if the unbelieving spouse wishes to, say, to stay. This is addressed in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14, and time fails us to be able to address this more thoroughly today. Now, this has been a, a very difficult podcast. I pray that we remember the gospel as we move forward. The main problem with these situations, namely homosexuality, transgenderism, cohabitation, it's lostness. The main problem is sin. May we seek to preach the gospel that Jesus Christ, God made flesh, came to earth some 2,000 years ago and lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose from the dead three days later so that by placing your faith and trust in him and repenting or turning away from your sins, you may be saved. May we love others by sharing the gospel. Our goal is not to directly combat homosexuality, transgenderism, or other sexual sins. Our, our goal should be to combat sin in general by focusing on everyone's need for a Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only way for salvation. This presentation has been put together to strengthen the faith of believers and to challenge the unbelief of others. I pray that you have found this presentation helpful. Also, please note that this 10 to 15 minute presentation cannot exhaustively address most issues. My prayer is that it stimulates you to personally research further, and I am assured that you will find the Word of God proven true time and time again. Feel free to email any ideas that you would like to see addressed by emailing me at crosspointwv at gmail.com. There are slides prepared for each of these presentations, which can be accessed at our church website at crosspointfamily.church and select ATG. God bless, and have a blessed week.